When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. A simple Google search tells us that discrimination is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Many of us, however, don't need a definition since it's a part of our lives to one degree or another. Discrimination, while well-established in many places in our society, is causing headlines more frequently than ever in one sector specifically, banking. Black Panther director Ryan Coogler was mistaken for a bank robber in Atlanta, Georgia, back in January. Coogler was detained while trying to withdraw money from his account. He was wearing a hat, sunglasses, and a COVID mask when he slipped the teller a note asking to discreetly withdraw 12 grand from his bank account, which led the teller to mistakenly believe he was trying to rob the bank. Since he had given his ID and bank card and the note was submitted along with his withdrawal slip, many have speculated that the situation was only misinterpreted because Coogler is black. Prior to this, in October 2021, Almond Brewer, a black man, sold his boat on Facebook Marketplace and attempted to cash his $3,200 check at a Pinal County credit union in Apache Junction, Arizona. Moments later, he was surrounded by police because a bank manager doubted the check's authenticity and called officers to the scene. The same manager failed to let officers know that the check had ultimately been authenticated by the account holder until a full 10 minutes after police first made contact with Brewer. In September 2021, Joe Morrow, a 23-year-old black man, was detained and handcuffed for attempting to cash his $900 paycheck at a bank in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. After being handcuffed, the bank manager asked if Morrow could be moved to another office out of fear that he would, quote, take something off his desk. His paycheck, of course, was also legitimate. These are just a few examples of racial profiling while banking. The term banking while black has emerged in recent years to describe this type of discrimination. To discuss this further, I have today's guest, Maggie Williams, former banking diversity, inclusion and engagement specialist. This is our daily story, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome to the show, Maggie. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So let's start off. uh, Tell us a little bit about your background at a national bank. What is the role of a diversity, inclusion, and engagement specialist? 
Absolutely. So for a little over five years, I worked within wealth management at one of the large financial institutions in our nation, mm-hmm. holding a number of positions that included heavy client employee and uh, community interaction revolving around high level client experience, employee engagement, the day to day employee experience and diversity inclusion initiatives. Um, More specifically, I was business support manager for our Black Employee Network Group, communications chair for our Arizona chapter, and was a campus liaison for another group that promoted disability inclusion and advocacy for that. Basically, I was the epitome of a DE&I cheerleader for the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to participate in the grant decisioning for uh, local nonprofits, where we'd give out a million dollars each year to the local organizations making a difference. So got to decision those grant proposals as well as deliver the checks. And then also advocated for um, women in tech and ops positions as an ambassador for a national uh, program that um, basically promoted more women being in the technology space. So um, basically, when it comes to the role of DE&I, diversity and inclusion and engagement specialist, that can be a formal role with a formal title, but it can also be a lot of informal titles. But ultimately, I will say as well that um, it's really something that most corporations do have ingrained into the role description of all employees. Mm -hmm. So um, diversity and inclusion is really just the idea of making sure that everybody feels welcome and included and that it's an equal and fair playing field for everybody and that the products and services that we're providing to the marketplace are also um, equal and fair accessible for all. Sure. So were there any instances of discrimination that you or other Black employees or customers experienced uh, during your time while working? <laughs> um, so unfortunately, yes, um, it, it's um, something that I think that most Black people that have worked in the corporate space have experienced, um, and then specifically within banking. So my my multitude of experiences did include a number of experiences that ranged from discrimination, just simple things regarding my hair and the way I spoke. So um, feelings which is I- which is braids. Uh, Braids. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it was the first three years actually at the, at the bank that I didn't even feel comfortable wearing my natural hair just because of the context of the community that I was in and Mm -hmm. having other colleagues, you know, switch back and forth between their braids and their natural hair and um, hearing the different comments. And it, it was, it was the little catty things from colleagues, but then it was also in a sense, judgment from leadership. Um, I was in one instance told when I did actually decide to wear my natural hair after three years by one of my executive mentors. Um, oh, wow. You look like a senior executive now. Like it was several levels up to, um, you know, the role he was referring to, mm. but it's like, oh, because my hair is natural. Um, I'm, I'm now, you know, looking like I could be that, that level of executive. So, um, you know, it was things like that, but then it was also as an employee, but as a client of the bank, I went to go cash a check one day in my neighborhood. It was a more affluent part of town uh, where I would expect nothing less than top level service and um, was trying to cash a check that was by that bank. Um, <laughs> it was a check by a family member that we had uh, joint accounts with. All the funds were more than verifiable. I was verifiable with my debit card and in the system with my um, with my employee identification, even with a picture. And that escalated to um, just a six-month investigation by HR that led to nothing. And 
was told to kind of get a lawyer if I want to do anything further. Um, so just lots of things personally, unfortunately, um, that juxtaposed a lot of a lot of great experiences as well. I won't say it was all bad, but um, you know, definitely as well working in the wealth management space, I was able to see firsthand the difference in treatment as far as consumers versus wealth management clients go. So um, consumers are basically people that don't have a lot of money um, with the institution. They're people that don't have financial advisors. They're people that typically are paying fees for their accounts. They're people that are typically getting overdraft fees for their accounts. And they're actually the people that are delivering uh, the majority of revenues to the bank's (laughs) um, profit margins every quarter as well. So um, with wealth management, it was just a whole level of service that most normal people don't get. And um, I would say that the majority of Black people were not part of that wealth management group, um, just from my personal experience as well. So just that that overall systemic discrimination was definitely very apparent. And then as well, just from clients even to our employees, I was involved with some training and had... Um, one instance very memorable of a of a girl who was you know in her first few weeks learning how to speak on the phone and a client recognized her accent as being of of african american descent and um you know just started calling her racial slurs on the recorded line and this is somebody who has lots of money with the institution and you know the the rules that are set forth or you know you can't hang up on the client and you know there's certain things that you can and can't say and it's just it's a difficult circumstance for black people in banking for sure so you mentioned a lot of different types of discrimination what what justification is there for that type of discrimination has there been like a a crime wave that financial institutions can point to that explains why they believe black people to be less trustworthy or why Black people don't really fit into that space? Is there something that you're aware of? So um, it would be amazing if there was actually a statistic that we could point to that had anything to do with justification for any of this behavior, but there is not. Mm-hmm. So um, no, there's no justification. And um, we have a lot of work to do as far as getting beyond the surface level of these conversations and the more performative diversity and inclusion um, fixtures that that these large institutions are putting in place. Sure. Sure. You know, I've, I've read um, recently uh, not only about the disparities in, in um, the rental market for Black people and appraisals for Black homes, right. um, interest rates for Black loans. You know, I mentioned a major auto manufacturer that came under fire and actually um, lost a lawsuit and had to pay a lot of money because historically they had charged uh, black borrowers more money to to borrow the cars, and then of course, in researching today's topic, seen a lot of the numbers associated with these major banks um, and how they affect black people negatively. And so, it's interesting to hear how deep it runs. It's not just on paper; it's like the actual practices in the branches, and it almost is like there's a culture there. So, there's a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. Now, speaking of in the branches, I do want to talk about Ryan Coogler. So in this instance, the teller was black at the bank where he went to make his withdrawal. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you believe that or rather, what do you believe would cause black people to discriminate or hold prejudices against other black people in that space? 
Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult circumstance. I mean, what you, what you just shared as far as it's a culture, um, it really is. It's a culture that is embedded, um, again, that goes all the way back to the enslaved days. So Mm -hmm. as things have transitioned, they've transitioned only in the ways that they have to. Mm -hmm. And with banking um, as well, what I've gathered is that it's kind of this, um, it's, it's always been considered in a sense, a good job mm-hmm. and amongst black people and black culture in America. That's something that, you know, I'm sure many of us at our family reunions, you can go around and ask your cousins. You, you definitely have a few people that work at, the, at a bank, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, these are large institutions. They have a hundred to 200,000 employees. So it's a, it's a huge part of our, um, working economy and it's, something that, um, again, it's a cultural thing. So these, um, these companies have their processes and procedures and they have things in place that are in a sense, you know, having people drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, Mm. um, where they are falling in line with status quo and the, and what they're supposed to do to achieve the goals of their job, which is, you know, what you're supposed to do as a worker. But, um, when you're coupling that with the, you know, blatant as well as the underlying discriminatory processes that are ingrained throughout the system, as well as the external factor as far as Black identity in America and the attempts to degrade that, to, to erase, you know, the reality of our history and our identities and things of that nature, where Black people, our, our spectrum is so vast as far as how we identify and how we um, think about others that are within our own culture because of the outside um of the outside impacts and influences that are being perpetuated because that is America, how it was designed. It's to, you know, affect the minds of black people and make them feel less than. So when it comes to somebody, you know, black person coming into a financial center, wanting to cash a check, the, unfortunately the unconscious bias that's been put on this person who is also of color, but because of the influences in all capacities of internal of the bank and the external of society, they're looking at this person like, well, you couldn't be cashing a $12,000 check, even though you have your ID, your debit card that matches your ID, you have a check that looks legitimate. And you're also even putting in your debit pin number. Mm. So that's that, that debit pin number piece, you know, it's just, there's no excuse for behavior like that to happen. There's no justification for that. And that's where we have to really be talking about what, what's really causing it. And it's those, those underlying issues of like the systems, you know, the influences of society and how America has been designed. I, um, I feel like there's a, it it mirrors uh, police culture. We talk a lot about policing in this country as well. And there are black officers and sometimes the black officers are the meanest when it, when it comes to dealing with black people. And it's just because they're a reflection of an institution, a much larger institution um, that has its roots in white supremacy. And so I, I'm, I'm beginning to, to see um, how that could have happened. Mm-hmm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. 
Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com BIN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Here with us today discussing racial profiling and banking while Black is Maggie Williams, former banking diversity, inclusion, and engagement specialist. In Joe Morrow's case, the bank CEO issued a written apology to Morrow and the community at large, admitting that they sometimes do not live up to their goals. Explain what apologies like these mean or what more could be done. So again, I, I think that the, the apologies at this point, um, you know, are just not, not enough. Um, they are performative. Um, most of us know them as such. And there's no excuse for not doing more. The bottom lines of the banks, the largest ones especially, um, they're making upwards of $20 billion a year after tax profits. 
And again, um, you know, the majority of their revenues are coming from fees that are being charged on consumer accounts or overdraft fees and things of that nature, um, or credit interest rates, you know, for people that don't pay off their credit card bills every month. And again, that's, that's affecting the people that have less money. And, and um, by definition in this country, that is, that is um, a lot of Black people falling in that category. So to have these instances continue to happen and just, I'm sorry, like for Ryan Coogler to get an I'm sorry after he literally was sitting handcuffed in the back of a police car. And I mean, in, in any instance, in my opinion, and I think of many Black people's opinions in America, um, any, any instance with the police that you're involved in, there's a 50-50 chance you could die. So, I mean, he, he had his life threatened that day because he was trying to cash a check from his bank. And, um, you know, the, the instance with Joe Morrow, it's just, it's, it's the spectrum and, um, whether it is cashing a $50 check or a $50,000 check, why are we having to justify what we're using the funds for and why we need our money out of our account? So there's, there's a lot more that needs to be done. And, and I don't think that the apology should be accepted any longer, honestly. You know, um, in talking about what more can be done, there's a story that I believe is true. A very, very good friend of mine was many years ago, a uh, mentee of a person named Artie Moreno, Arturo Moreno. He's a billionaire. He owns the uh, Angels Under Armour, things like the Angels to Anaheim, Angels in California. And uh, Artie told my friend a story. Um, again, I believe this to be true. He says, um, you know, he went into a major bank and uh, went to make a withdrawal or something like that. Um, in doing so, the teller doubted the authenticity of his withdrawal slip or his capacity to take the money out, or maybe he was somehow behaving fraudulently or something like that. And the teller uh, asked him to step aside while she investigated. And he was so upset by the back and forth and then being asked to step aside that he says, you know what, let me just take out all my money from all of my accounts, which at the time neighborhood uh, was in the neighborhood of something like $400 million. And once they found that out, of course, the bank can't release that amount of money. They have to by law, but they can't without it shifting the stock price. Mm -hmm. And so the CEO of that bank had to fly into Phoenix, Arizona, where he lives, and convince him to keep his funds in the bank. And the result of that meeting was that more representation for Hispanic people would be in their hiring practices and more representation would be in their advertisements. And since then, for this national bank, there's been a significant increase in the amount of Hispanic people represented in the branches and in their advertisements. And I think that something like that might be along the lines of something that's a little bit more effective and less performative. Now, before we go, I want to ask another question. Let's take a moment and talk about Black-owned businesses, uh, specifically Black-owned financial institutions. What merits do you believe that Black banks have that would be beneficial to Black communities? Definitely, yes. So, to the point of that, seeing seeing people reflect you and who you're banking with is is important, and it has the ability to be very impactful when uh, delivered appropriately and um, with the right with the right um, 
mindset with the right intentions. So uh, while your example, I think I agree with, you know, as much as people can be bringing to life these diversity practices and really actioning them the way that they were designed and not just saying it, part of the problem is there isn't really a standardized practice to qualify, you know, how people are, aren't exercising these things. And if, you know, what benchmarks people are hitting. So that's, you know, obviously a topic for another day, but I think that, you know, when it comes to the black, black banks specifically, it's something that we need more than ever to have, um, black banks positioned with ease of access and the ability for, um, them to to be thriving. Right now, we have less than 50 financial institutions across the nation that are owned. So this is banks and credit unions that are owned by Black people. And they're not easy to get to. They're definitely the, you know, common opinion is there, there's speculation about them. And there is questioning of, you know, is my money going to be safe and things like that. And again, that access piece, I think is, is critical. Um, everybody wants things very easily accessible right here, right now at their fingertips. And right now, Black banks are not positioned in our country to be able to compete effectively with, in a sense, the top banks that have been, um, you know, around since enslavement and were, um, you know, basically founded and, and benefited, built off of, off of those profits. So, we have a lot of work to do to get Black banks to the point where they will be able to make the impact that we want them to make. But once we have more people able to access and putting their funds in confidently, the abilities that Black banks have is really I mean, it's infinite. So when we have people of compassion and with intelligence and understanding and empathy at the forefront of all of the systems of the financial structure, that really changes the game. Because as I mentioned, it's like over $20 billion in profits are being derived from these large financial institutions and they're coming from the backs of consumers for the most part. So if we have, you know, some kind of institutions that are not trying to take advantage of black people and reformatting things so that they are delivering not just equitable services for all, but really thoughtfully delivering opportunities to help bridge gaps and um, challenge status quos outside of, you know, the institution and to empower other Black people and individuals who want to help with those causes to do so. Um, I think Black banks are, you know, really going to be the foundation to that. Finance is is integral to, you know, democracy and life as we know it. So, um, you know, we really need to make sure that we have representation in all areas. And that would be finance as well. Right now, the people that are kind of running the financial world are not black and um, it would be nice to have, to have that a little bit more um, Absolutely. front and center. Absolutely. So, well, uh, before we let you go, uh, how can people keep up with what you're doing? Are you on uh, social media at all? Definitely. Uh, so my website is MsMaggieWilliams.com. So that's M-S-M-A-G-G-I-E Williams.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at Ms.Maggie and on Twitter at Ms. Maggie W. 
Well, thank you very much for your insight. Uh, we appreciate your time today. Um, once again, our guest is Maggie Williams, former banking diversity, inclusion, and engagement specialist. And before I go, I'll leave you with this. It's true that discrimination exists at nearly every point in society where a power dynamic exists. In a capitalistic society, however, discrimination of the financial variety is critical. It limits our mobility and curbs our prospects. This is why it is important for us all to continue to identify and root out this specific type of discrimination. There is power in wealth. We all know that money talks, but our black dollars should speak with authority. Let's bear this in mind the next time someone we know experiences banking while black. Let's find and empower our own Black-owned financial institutions where available and demand equitable treatment from the others. This will lead to a world where banking while Black will bring to mind dignified images of Black people using Black wealth to create beautiful Black futures. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.